Hello and welcome. We are live. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube. Thank you for being here. Perhaps you're on the podcast listening right now as well uh, to the recorded session, but brilliant. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to Johnny Ross Fractional CMO. Today, we're diving into the transformative world of email and retention marketing with a special guest, Josh Tay. How are you, Josh? Hi, Johnny. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm super excited to get on with this. You're uh, you're joining us from uh, across the pond. Whereabouts are you? I'm all the way from Singapore, so the other side of the world. Brilliant. And you work closely with uh, your your agency works closely with uh, companies that are in the US, uh, in Australia, uh, a small amount in the UK, um, but but certainly predominantly in in the US and, and Australia. Significantly working with uh, typically e-commerce brands reasonably large brands. That's uh, some of your background. We're going to be talking today from shaping strategies in health and fitness to mastering email campaigns for some of Asia's top beauty brands. Josh now champions holistic customer strategies at No Limit Email. We'll uncover the secrets behind his unique approach, delve into customer journey optimization and tackle the big question, is retention marketing the antidote to rising acquisition costs? Stay tuned for an enlightening conversation. So let's just dive in, Josh. Uh, retention marketing, it, you know, for some, it you could argue it's a new concept. It really isn't at all. I mean, we we both know that it's you know it's it's some of your best customers need to be retained. That's where your you know that's where your best business comes from. But for those that aren't quite sure, um, and let's just try and bring everyone up to speed right at the beginning of the of the podcast. Can you explain what retention marketing is and why it's become so important in today's digital landscape? Well, very good question. So um, maybe I should start with what uh, retention marketing isn't because what uh, the, the common con- concept or the, the common notion that people get is that retention marketing is email marketing. But then email marketing is simply one channel in the entire uh, you know scape of retention. Retention essentially is just retaining a customer and making them uh, buy spend more and spend more often with you. Um, and then, so, so so there are many different channels that we can approach this by. So there's email marketing, there's SMS marketing, there's uh, the mobile apps, push notifications, there's direct mail. Um, there is literally anything uh, can include, can be included into uh, retention marketing as well. Even digital, uh, sorry, physical. If you have a pop-up store, if you have a, uh, you know, you're in big box, all of that, as long as you have a customer that is an existing customer, that actually comes into retention marketing, which you know brings me to the next point that retention marketing cannot uh, exist on its own. Just because like you say, okay, retention marketing is focusing on existing customers, but there, there needs to be like some, some form of like a flywheel effect between retention marketing as well as acquisition. So um, if retention, the, 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 the common uh, problem right now in, in, in the whole world is that there are media buyers, right? People who are running ads, running traffic. It could be organic, could be paid. Um, and then once they hit the website, it's, it's, the, it's to get stuck there, right? There's no continuation after that. Then it, it's a handoff to the retention team. So from that uh, side of things, retention team has zero insight into what's going on in the acquisition team. And the acquisition team can't be bothered <laughs> as to what happens after that because for them, their metric is just send traffic, right? Or reduce the CPA. That's it. Their job is done. But then there's the, the retention team, that retention uh, 
strategy doesn't power the acquisition uh, strategy. And this is something that you know, we at No Limit Email, we are pretty passionate about. Uh, we are passionate about aligning um, the entire customer journey and making sure that acquisition is powered by retention. And then uh, acquisition then powers retention again. So ideally, we want to have, we want to find customers that retain themselves. That is the main thing. Um, one of the biggest things is that, uh, you know, for retention teams or retention marketers to say like, oh yes, we need to increase lifetime value and stuff like that. Yes, increasing lifetime value is important um, and it should obviously not be neglected, but there's only so much that we can do to increase lifetime value. It's just, you, you can't increase it by brute force. At the end of the day, uh, quality of audience also plays a huge role in you know, the longevity of a client uh, of a customer and how how much they spend. So it has to be a you know it's a it's a two way street yet. So retention teams have to work very closely with acquisition teams and acquisition teams. So likewise. So I was very interested to hear what you were talking about there in terms of it's about finding the right customers that not only are going to buy but are also going to want to be retained. And, and that's about working acquisition and, and retention working closer together. So how do you define that then? How, what, do you, what, what do you put into place in terms of strategies or, uh, uh, um, you know, what do you put into place to, to try and, how do you define them? Right. So uh, one of the things that we are uh, very big on is zero-party data. So for those people who are quite new to the, the concept of zero-party data, it is basically customers willingly giving you that information. Um, this can be in the form of uh, surveys. It can be in the form of quizzes and stuff like that. Those are the typical things that people uh, understand about zero-party data. Um, you know, Post-purchase surveys, NPS surveys, all, all these are qualitative data points that tell you, you know, about a, a little bit more about the customer. But then we also kind of need to understand what is the intent of a customer. Like what makes them want to buy? Why are they buying? Uh, when are they going to buy? Now, like for what reason? Is, is there something that happened in their life that's causing them to need to buy this right now? Um, was there, a, like, what are they going to use it for? So these are some of the different questions that need to be answered pre-purchase, just so that we can uh, create uh, you know, a, a customized message um, to frame the pitch right for the customer. If not, there's no relevance. But typically what happens is that people opt in to a pop-up they go through a very standard welcome flow, right? Just like, hi, welcome to so-and-so family. Uh, here's your 10% off. And then they go another email like at the next day talking about the company and then talking about the best sellers. It's just, it's a standard flow, right? But then there is no, there's no context into the person's life. So one of the, one of the things that I, uh, Recently, we recently discovered in the past one, two years that we've been doing very actively is adding zero-party uh, data collection points in the pop-up because that is the point of highest intent. So in the pop-up, let's say a customer fills in their details. Uh, the question would be, how much is an email address worth to you? Right? So when you're sending traffic, you're just collecting email addresses, but then how do you predictably convert these people in your welcome flow? How do you create a customized message that tells them, you know, this is why you need it. So 
with zero party data points, let's say we are collecting two to three zero party data points, right? In the pop-up. So they fill in the email address and then you, you can be asking them, hey, um, you know, if if you are a supplement brand, for example, um, let's say weight loss supplements. So you can be asking them, uh, you know, what is your main priority at this point, right? So for some people, it might be fat loss. For some people, it might be, uh, you know, getting their blood in order, right? These are both subsets of fat, of weight loss, but then with very different intentions and very different outcomes that they want to have. So in your messaging, it has to be very different as well. The next point you can be asking would be, you know, when are you looking to buy? Something as simple as that can drastically change the way, the, the cadence in which you, you know, send marketing messages as well. If someone tells you that they're going to, they're looking to buy in like the next 30 days or they're just shopping around, like, do you want to be giving them a deep discount? Doesn't quite make sense because the intent is not there. However, if someone is, someone tells you that, oh, they're looking to buy within the week because it's extremely urgent to them. Yeah, by all means, push the sales, right? You can be also asking them like, who are you buying this for? Is it buying for yourself? Is it buying for a friend? Uh, are you buying as a gift? All three is uh, all three require very different contexts as well. So this is how we optimize our welcome flows, and then we split our flows based on the different messages that are required that the customer wants to receive. Is is, is there a danger? Because one of the things that uh, has been talked about for for a long time is not asking too many questions because the problem with that is that it then potentially puts off the the user. So, uh, but at the same time, I love what you've just said. So how do you find the balance of not asking too many to ensure that you get answers and you get conversion? Right. So this is a, it's, it's actually a very common question that we get. And it's also a very common pushback that we get from clients. Um, and we've actually recently done a test for, pure email opt-ins, like email plus SMS, and then email SMS plus two zero-party data points. And we found that there was actually only a 4% decrease in uh, total revenue for like, collecting the, uh, the zero-party data points versus collecting just, uh, sorry, um, yes, 4% decrease in revenue. But then over time, this would, drastically empower your acquisition because now you can create much better ads because now the ads are more targeted, right? You, you know exactly what customer pools you are looking for. Um, and in terms of conversion rate on the pop-up, it's not decreased much. We've done about 13% on pop-ups and it's been between like 13 and 14%. So 13% being the zero-party data points and then 14% being just pure email SMS. So there's not much difference in terms of uh, pop-up conversion rate as well. So if you're thinking about list growth, the next question would be, what are you growing this list for? Right? Is it because you want sales or you just want list growth for the sake of list growth? If you're just going to have, uh, you're going to use list growth as a metric just to make yourself feel good, then it doesn't make doesn't make sense, right? Because at the end of the day, you kind of want to make money. So if you want to make money, we obviously want to make sure that we, are, we have better insights for customers. So we then use the same data points in our post-purchase service. Uh, sorry, our, our post-purchase communication. So for our replenishment flows, for win bags and stuff like that. And we see that we can drastically make up for that 4% that we lost in the, in the welcome flow. So you know, from... 
from all of that, it completely makes sense because now you have much stronger acquisition and you have much stronger retention, both because you have you collected good, good data. And what I see commonly is people are asking things like, you know, what's your birthday? Right? It's, it's, it's not relevant. <laughs> There's nothing that you can really do with a, with a birthday. Um, if at all, you can just collect it after the purchase if you want to send like an anniversary gift, which funnily enough, for every single email I've got asking for my birthday, I've never received a birthday gift from a brand ever <laughs> in my life. So yeah, if anyone's collecting that and you want to prove me wrong, please send me a birthday gift. <laughs> so so, so leading on from that, um, you know, t- taking a, a beauty brand then, so not a supplement, a beauty brand, what, what out of... Uh, what might you be asking as a couple of, throw me a couple more questions. Okay. Um, for beauty brands, most of the time, let's say you are, uh, you sell anti-aging products, right? Um, you can be asking them questions like, you know, what is the, what is the main goal? What's your main skin concern right now? Is it a fine line reduction? Is it a smoother skin? Because both are also you know, effects of anti-aging, right? Or is it, brighter skin. So all three of them have uh, are subsets of anti-aging and they all have different outcomes. So in the messaging, you can also tailor the different, the different messages and then recommend the relevant products for that. So that's, that's one uh, use case that you can have. Um, you can also be asking questions about, you know, what is, what are they looking for in anti-aging product? Because this allows you to frame your USP in a much stronger way. And this allows you to differentiate yourself in your in your brand indoctrination emails. Um, something as simple as like, you know, are you looking for fast results? Right? Some people just want fast results. They don't care about the ingredients. They don't care about anything else. So for people who are asking about fast results and they want this kind of thing, just show them your results, your before and after use cases, uh, you know, the percentage increase, the efficacy and, and stuff like that. These are the people that this type of uh, proof would work very well on. There are other people who are looking for uh, clean ingredients, for example. For these clean ingredients, uh, no, then you have to talk about your manufacturing process, how it's safe, um, all the tests that you've done, all the organizations that have approved, all the authorities that have uh, you know, gone through third-party testing, stuff like that. Um, this is stuff that they care about. Um, and then, you know, you can also have people who are, uh, you know, looking... F- what was the question again? No, I understand what you're saying. No, I understand what you're saying. And, and what, you, what you're ultimately saying is, is find out why they're wanting to buy it. And, yeah. what they're, and what they're expecting from it as well. And, and, and those two things, just as examples, are a great way to then be able to build on getting the messaging absolutely nailed in terms of the, the relevancy, which I'm, I'm really loving. And, and just, just by the way, one of the things that we were talking about uh, prior to going live um, was that um, a lot of the uh, organizations you work with are using Shopify and you heavily use uh, Clavio as well. Um, yeah. not, you're not fixed to it, um, but um, but you do heavily use it. I, I love Clavio. I think it's brilliant. Um, and, uh, and, and I can see how you can uh, integrate that. So 
you're talking about the um, acquisition and retention working together. And I understand in terms of, I think you've given a brilliant example in terms of the pop-up. I'm wondering, wondering if there's anything that happens prior to that that needs to work better together? Or is that the starting point? Is it, is it where we are generating data to then work out what to do and how to work with those people? Or, do, or does retention need to feed into uh, any of the earlier stages? It's not a trick question. I'm just wondering if, if that typically happens. Uh, for most retention teams, we don't have insight into you know, anything in the ad manager and stuff like that. Um, so the, the pop-up is the earliest the starting. Point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the earliest point in which we have control over. Yep. Um, so what we do is that we work very closely with uh, with, ad, with our ad partners and then we provide them with the insights as to what we collected. So let's say you know, we have a set of, we have buckets of people who are, you know, we have a certain percentage and then, you know, let, let's say we're collecting three different data points. We have you know, many different buckets, right? Because three, three times three times three. So we have all these different buckets and then we can create specific creative for that, which, you know, I've never heard of an ad team that isn't happy of getting for getting some kind of direction and having a you know, better outcome for their for their performance as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm really liking the idea. So, so we then said, so what's the next step after pop up then? So, um, you've got these buckets where you've got where you start understanding the different types of people, and then you're then you're then putting them directly onto workflows. Yeah, yeah, we put them directly into the into the automation, and they go through things like the welcome flow. Um, so our welcome flows are also powered by, you know, we have email and we also have SMS. Um, and, you know, if we have, if the brand that we're working with has has an app, then push notifications also become a thing. So it all has to be timed perfectly together so that we have a team of strategists who are going to be looking at the different times. Uh, we also have dedicated like tech team and, and QA team that's looking into all the sending domains, uh, looking into all the different tech aspects to make sure that nothing is clashing. Uh, because like, at any one point in time, people can be going through multiple flows at one point in time, right? So how do we prevent people from getting multiple messages that would be conflicting? So that's, that, that's another concern as well. And, and, how, and typically, how do you use SMS and email? Um, it, it, I'm hearing that you're not just picking one over the other you're using them to work together is that right yeah yeah we use it together so for um you know people if let's say someone opts in for an sms then we obviously send them an sms because it doesn't it's not very nice right we ask them for a phone number and a phone number is quite intimate and then we don't send them the sms and they'll be thinking like okay so what did i give my sms for so if they did consent to sms then we definitely want to uh, give them an sms um as the first welcome uh, communication and then for those people we, we wouldn't send them like the, uh, the typical uh, welcome anymore because they've already gotten that right so but if they haven't opened that and you know, they haven't transacted then we will send them we'll follow up with an email so we will also use uh, we also use direct mail for some of these things so if let's say in the post purchase uh, someone has purchased from a long time ago and then they haven't come back again so there's this a uh, win back flow that we that we implement uh, Winback flows would be for people who are customers who have been disengaged. So depending on the different segments, if let's say they've been disengaged for the last 90 to 120 days, right? They might get, uh, you might have one specific offer for these people. For people within 120 to 180 days, they have a different offer. And then based on the order value also, they have a different offer. So they are, we all, part of the, 
of the entire retention strategy is also offer testing. It's not so much just sending emails, sending SMSs and stuff like that because offers drive people. People buy because there's a reason to buy. And if we are not enabling the sale, then it defeats the entire purpose because marketing is not sales. That's a sales is a is an outcome because of good marketing. And a large part of good marketing is a message and the message has to resonate with the customer and the customer has to want something. And the, and the something that a customer wants is a good product that is tagged to an offer. So because of that, so we also we, we, we want to make sure that we are testing different offers based on unit economics. So we have uh, we, we go through unit economics exercises with the, with the clients to make sure that you know, they have all their, uh, their costs down right. Uh, if our clients have a finance team, we work with the finance team. If they have a if there's a CFO, we'll be discussing this with the CFO. So you know, as you can see, it's a it's a much bigger uh, realm of marketing that we that we are playing with rather than solely email. Because you now email is a let, let's just uh, say it as it is. Email isn't hard, but it's a, a holistic marketing strategy. The email marketing that supports business growth that's hard. Like how do we support the business and all of its business KPIs. That is something that you know most most agencies, I dare say, uh, are not doing effectively. And that, that's one of our biggest aims. I, I, I sort of do and don't want to ask you this question because, uh, as you say, retention marketing isn't just about email marketing. And I'm also hearing that the more relevant things are, the more chance that things are going to work anyway but i'm curious about subject lines and whether you have any tips and tricks for actually getting those emails opened in the first place and um, because our inboxes are just so full of email um and then i also want to talk to you about uh, offers in a minute but just just firstly you know am i being way too broad by asking that question in the first place um you know what's what are tips on how to get those emails open but i am curious how do you get them open okay so, so um Subject lines and open rates are, uh, are are quite contentious right now because of like Apple's privacy uh, and stuff like that. So there are some emails that automatically get opened. So it's not an entirely accurate metric. But obviously, we also still want to uh, you know ensure that emails are uh, our, our send rate is decently high. So as for subject lines, there's no there's no real tactic that we can use. Um, other than a good copywriter, obviously, uh, we obviously have to have a good copywriter that understands the customer and what they what they want. But then we are strong believers that there is no one trick that can get you consistent sales. If it's a if it's a trick, it's a trick. Like yeah. before you know it, customer. If you like, one of the many things that happens is that people have like the re, re with the colon, and then they have you know, whatever it is. Like it's a, uh, you might get the sale. Like you might get it open, but how many times can you repeat that, right? It's the same as even last chance emails. It's how many times can you send a last chance before someone realizes it's not their last chance, right? So that it's a, or a, in case you missed it kind of thing, you, you, you get it, right? So um, subject lines are, it's a, it's a necessary evil. Obviously you have to get that. Uh, you want to stand out in the inbox if, so even in things like emojis in, in, in subject line, yes, they might they might work, but at the end of the day, it's about the content within your email. So when people if people open the con uh, the email and they see content that they are that they look forward to receiving, entertaining content, uh, content that you know 
actually teaches them something about the product, teaches them something about their lives. It might not even be about the product, right? It could be a, a general thing about improving their life in a certain aspect of your niche. So when people start wanting to receive them, they actually start looking forward to your emails. They look forward to your brand and then they might not open other emails and they just go straight to your brand. And they see XX brand, they're like, oh, okay, cool. If let's say founders are always the one, if you have a founder-led brand, and you are the face of the company and people like your brand message, they like the way that you speak, they like the values that you have. Typically, you also see people opening your stuff. It's less like a text message, right? If you have, uh, if you have a bunch of work notifications, you're not going to open the work notifications over the weekend. But if you see a good friend text you, you're going to open that. It's the same thing. Yeah, and, and it goes back to the power of segmentation, the power of buckets, the power of relevancy. And really understanding the customer, really understanding the the why they want to buy, what they're wanting, and and so I I actually really like your answer. It, you talked about um, offers, and uh, likewise with um, you know emails. Uh, if the if if you're using the the re or the emoji every single time, people sort of you know or, or that last chance email. Is there a danger with offers do the same thing? So there's always an offer. There's always a, another offer around the corner. And, and I guess my question is is twofold. Uh, first of all, um, can we uh, can 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 uh, is, is the time when companies are giving too many offers? And secondly, what about brands that are trying to get across the value of the brand and don't and you know there's a huge resist, resistance from the CEO or from the founder to even remotely consider an offer and and I and you know working with some of the size of uh, you know I know you work with eight figure uh, brands across the world uh, I'm sure that must be a, something that comes up so so two things can we do, can we end up doing too many offers but more importantly uh, what about brands that resist even doing an offer. Yeah, that, that definitely is a danger in running too many offers because we, we train customers to f anticipate there's going to be another offer, right? So then there's no urgency anymore. So no matter how many times you say it's the last chance, you know, closes tonight, people are not going to react anymore because they, uh, they, they's just, they, they's just been trained, right? Um, so what we, what we do as well is to vary offers. So not only do we do like site-wide discounts because site-wide discounts tend to have you know, a, a typical effect on people. So it might work for like super big sales events, like things like Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Yeah, sure, do a trick like 25% site-wide stuff like that. But then if you are going to be running this often enough, people are going to be like, oh, okay, so what's the big deal about 25%? And they'll keep expecting more and more and more and to the point where they will never buy full price again, which obviously hurts your margin. So, you know, do you want quick cash or do you want sustainable cash down the road? Um, yeah, so offer testing is going to be crucial. You know, understanding what products need to be moved, that's also something that needs to be considered. So, uh, you know, we, we look into apps like Coxie to understand what's the product movement like. Uh, we speak to the ops teams to understand, you know, is, are there any slow-moving products? Are there any products that are moving too fast? If the products are moving too fast, we definitely don't want to keep talking about them. Right. If uh, you know, if we know that uh, they're gonna make the next purchase in the next six months, right, and there isn't any inventory left, and this is a move, this is a product will sell by itself. Yeah, we we can hold back on campaigns for this because customers already know, and they're gonna buy this anyway. So this is something that we uh, that, that we work closely with brands for. Um, on, on the other side, about 
not wanting to discount at all, we definitely have had lots of experience with that. We've had uh, some brands who, you know, super resistant to anything to do with uh, direct uh, direct sales, right? They, they don't want any kind of direct response uh, messages. It's pure brand. And that's also fine. So, but then there needs to be a balance between what the company wants to say and what the customer wants to hear, right? That, that essentially is the job of a marketer is to bridge both the company's, uh, you know, objectives with the customer's objectives and that is that is where the customer journey comes in so we have to start thinking about things from the customer's point of view and not so much on the brand's point of view yes we want to make sure that the customer thinks highly of the brand but to what point right if you're going to sound all high felatin and stuff like that like the customer's just going to be like oh, okay sure what? again like you're going to be talking about yourself right that's not going to work um so there needs to be varied types of content. So there can be uh, product-related content. So product-related content could be highlights. It could be product education. It could be product comparisons. You know, there, there are countless different uh, variations within a product, uh, product highlight. Um, then there's obviously going to be engagement kind of content. It could be blog posts that you're sending. It could be short snippets of uh, you know, viral content. Um, it could be you know, a plain text message from, uh, from from the founder. It could be a recurring content. Um, let's say sometimes you can have Sunday self-talk, something like that, right? This could be, it's nothing related to the product, but it's just about empowering the customer, you know, giving them something to look forward to, giving them a, a motivational message, stuff like that. So there, again, there are also many uh, different uh, engagement content pieces could be a, a quiz within the blog, uh, within the email. It could be a quiz. You know, it, it could be an email link linking up to a quiz for customers, uh, for people who have not bought before and have been in the list for, let's say, the, the last ninety days. Um, then we're gonna have social proof content. We, we have uh, promotional content. We have VIP content. So uh, within our campaign planning strategy, we have a bunch of all these different things, and then we make sure that we are sending the right types of content to the right segments as you mentioned, right? So because that's going to be extremely important. Um, and the number of campaigns that we send obviously has to come into, uh, we have to consider what is the revenue target of the brand. So we work backwards. So by understanding what's the revenue target of the brand per month, we're going to look at, okay, what's the typical trend? Because there's also a difference between what you want to achieve with email, SMS, and direct mail versus what is likely to happen. So with that, we have to understand what's, the his, what, what's historical, right? Uh, what is likely to happen and then what the company wants to happen and then what you need to do in order to bridge that gap from historical to the future. So that is what uh, some of the stuff that we do uh, you know, on, on a quality basis as well. And I've heard that it's, it doesn't have to be about the offer. There's actually a ton of other types of content that you can use that would bridge the gap between the customer and the client and uh, go on you're going to say something josh yeah yeah so um, so one, one of the big things that I, i'm just a huge proponent of customer enablement it's just about enabling the customer to buy better if the customer can make a better decision a better buying decision they can feel more confident about the product they can feel like they have learned something that is all that matters because there's an increase in trust and, and you're moving them one step closer to the purchase or to the next purchase. Um, so we have to think about things in terms of helping the customer rather than helping the company sell more. It's a, it's, it's a very 
subtle nuance, but then it completely changes the way you market. So it's the same thing for whether you're in e-commerce or whether you're in B2B or whether it, like any form of marketing is the same thing. You need to be able to create enablement content for customers so that they can move closer to the purchase. Otherwise, it's just going to be you know knocking on a door that is empty. So customer enablement is the new yeah. retention marketing. I guess you could say that. <laughs> I like it. It's actually, uh, you... actually, it's not. It's not just for retention. It's not just retention marketing. But even I think you could even work for ads. Like if if the ad creative, if the video is it's nonsensical, you might get some attention, but it's there's a low chance you get the sale, right? But if you actually, you know, if you learn something, I, I've seen I've seen brands uh, do things for some eczema honey and stuff like that, right? And then you show like a real life uh, use case of of uh, the transformation of this thing and you know you kind of learn about it and you're like oh yeah actually this might be something that my kid could benefit from and you explain briefly about the benefits of honey how the honey works and, and stuff like that they've learned something there's some form of value in there right you don't need to make the full pitch but then once they hit the landing page and they'll be like yeah okay and now now i'm going to learn something else so all of that comes into the form of enablement content rather than purely like a static image of a brand of a product and they say like buy now like, okay. I, I, I absolutely love the uh custom the idea of customer enablement um and uh and it's most probably a topic that i am going to explore in a future podcast as well um the josh this has been this has been brilliant i i, I love the connections you've made uh in terms of retention needs to start way sooner than actually once you've acquired uh so that's you know that, that's a really important part just the simplicity of a marketeer's role as well um you know brand has a particular voice but clients want to hear customers sorry want to hear a particular thing so how do you join those dots um and uh yeah been really helpful you mentioned an app um uh was it Cotsy? what was the what was the name of the app that you mentioned Cotsy, uh c-o-g-s-y c-o-g-s-y we'll put the yeah. that in the in the show notes um uh, and and josh for you know perhaps there's a, a founder or a ceo listening or watching right now they've got a big brand on shopify on e-commerce they really want to grow and change things they need to speak to you, Josh. Where do you hang out? Where, where, <laughs> where, where do you hang out? What, tell me, tell me. Um, so, so the the company's no limit email. Tell me the the website address and where do you hang out personally as well. Uh, the the email the the, the address would be just uh, no limit email .com, and you can just find me on LinkedIn. If you type in Josh Tay, you're probably going to be the first one there. Josh Tay on LinkedIn. We'll put everything in the show notes. Uh, what a brilliant episode. Uh, Josh, thank you so much. This has been uh, Johnny Ross, Fractional CMO. Uh, we've been unlocking the secrets of retention marketing. And I think Josh has seriously inspired us in terms of how to actually rethink our retention marketing strategy. It's been Johnny Ross, CMO. We've been live on LinkedIn. And you may have been listening to the podcast. Please do subscribe. Tell your friends. Come back for more. And we will see you all soon. Thanks again. Take care.